0: Hi, this is A Buzz from Unseen Mussies. I just want to give a quick disclaimer that you may be hearing some humming or buzzing during this episode. It's coming from my end. I live on top of a woodworking shop, and sometimes the big old fan gives a big old buzz. So maybe one day we'll be in a studio, but for now, sometimes you're going to hear a buzz from the A Buzz. All right, enjoy the episode. Okay. Are you ready? Are you steady? Go. <laughs>
1: Ha, ha, ha. Hello and welcome back to your favorite movie review podcast, Unseen Must Sees, that is hosted by yours truly, Kendra Timmons,
0: and yours truly, Allison Busner.
1: So, if you are a complete stranger and stumbled on us by accident, that's—I don't know how you did that. I don't know how because <laughs> I we're
0: hope not- some people are doing that because how would anyone find us or listen uh, to I us ever?
1: <laughs> I don't know. I'm gonna I'm gonna rely more on word of mouth. I think. but if... if <laughs> You're one of those people who just kind of liked the color pink while you were, like, going through all of your different podcast options. Mm -hmm. Welcome. This is the podcast where we review movies that we have never seen before. We watch all these movies for the first time, either one or both of us, and we determine whether or not they are the must-sees that all of our family members in society tells us that they are and puts pressure on us to see them. Or, like, they grab you in conversation and, like, at a party or somewhere really inconvenient and sit you down and tell you... You about all the reasons why you should see these movies, so we're here to set the record straight and let you know whether that is true or not. So, with mm, I don't know, much further ado? Is yeah, that the, sure. Is that? yeah, sure. I guess so. Yeah, okay. We'll go with that. This week's episode is Blazing Saddles. Dun, da, da, da. Da, 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 da. So, this lovely comedy satire film that is indeed rated R for anyone who hasn't seen it yet, came out in 1974 and is a about the Wild West and in order to ruin a Western town, so the evil politician guy who wants to put his railroad through this town and he decides that the best way to gain control of it is to appoint a black sheriff so that the townspeople will riot and kill him and then he will get his way.
0: And they'll all want to leave. It's also supposed to be set in 1874, but there are some modern elements to the film. But it's supposed to be set in 18... 1974. So there are some key players. One of the keyest players, I would say, is Mel Brooks. He directed it. He wrote it. He's also in the film as the governor. And you know what? I was doing some research and Mel Brooks is 96 years old and a film just came out where he was the voice actor in. It's called Paws of Fury, The Legion of Hawk. Mm. And in an interview he said he's reviving his character of the governor in this film. Oh, wow! So that film just came out like the other day great yeah and so he's definitely the powerhouse of directing and writing this film as well as being in it which we've seen before Mm -hmm. we also have cleveland little who plays bart that's the sheriff of the town cleveland little was in other films many other films he has passed away now but i don't really recognize him from anything else but he does have quite a large resume a lot of credits on imdb and then there's also So Gene Wilder is very famously known for being Willy Wonka in the Willy Wonka and Chocolate Factory. Um, So he plays kind of Bart's counterpart as Jim and they team up together to kind of be like Sheriff and like buddy who helps Sheriff because he's not really a cop. So yeah, so Kendra. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Yeah. (laughs)
1: <laughs> if that gives you any indication.
0: The thing is, like, what did we watch? It's so much happened. I wouldn't say it was bad. Like, I wouldn't say no. it was bad. It wasn't bad. It wasn't a bad movie. It was an entertaining movie. I definitely laughed out loud. When I first started watching this film last night, I was like, whoa, what is happening? Yep. What am I watching? Because even the description that we just gave does not even touch upon what was going on in this film. Even no. kind
1: of. No. Yeah, you could call at the plot. I think that's what you would grab from it, but it, yeah, it just was all over the place.
0: It was weirdly meta. There were elements of mocking a western film, elements of mocking modern society, mocking complete individuals, like the white cowboy, the governor, like everyone was a mockery of the idea of that character. And then it was like mocking the audience at some times, like it was yeah. there was so much sarcasm mocking, <laughs>
1: mocking filmmaking in general.
0: Yes, like, like it was very very convoluted is that the right word?
1: I don't know. It's I, maybe. I again, it's very difficult to describe yeah. what this what this movie was. This felt like when people talk about throwing spaghetti on the wall and seeing what sticks Mm -hmm. but they just made a really sticky batch of spaghetti and it all stuck and they were like well i guess it's all gotta go in then
0: yeah that's what it felt like yeah a lot of my notes a lot really confusing
1: yeah they're all over the place where i'm like what's happening wait what is this Mm -hmm. where did this person come from this person makes no sense like that's kind of the gist of a lot of my notes and then i have one where like if i could sum up to someone what this movie like what the tone of this movie was i have a note that says it felt like a really long r-rated snl sketch
0: yep Absolutely. Absolutely. R-rated not because you saw Bob's or Peener or Viginer. R-rated because why were they using all those words?
1: Yeah. You were 10 minutes in and I was like, okay, right out of the gate, we're already all over racial slurs. Yep. Homophobic slurs. Yep. We're just gonna throw all of the words. Like the first line in the movie. Yep. Was a racial slur. Here's
0: the thing. I think that there are certain films that are historical adaptations or whatever that's the wrong term but historical depictions and therefore it would make sense to use certain words in those moments in those films because that's what those people would use at that time period right however I find that sometimes filmmakers use certain words to shock us and sometimes I'm not saying necessarily in this film because I think this was more of a shock value a lot of things were shock value in this. But I think that there's certain filmmakers that weirdly fetishize certain words and therefore use them to like get away with it. And I don't want to call anybody out, but I'm going to call someone out. Quentin (laughs) Tarantino in his films and we're going to watch a film, I think Kendra soon, that is exactly what I'm talking about. Where Quentin Tarantino has a scene where he is talking to Samuel L. Jackson and he uses the N-word like nine times or something for no reason. Because it's set in like 1970 and like that was already a very taboo word to use at that time but he is the only one who uses it and he uses it over and over towards Samuel and Jackson and it's very uncomfortable to watch because Mm. you can't help but think or I couldn't help but think with while watching that was did you write a scene because you really want to use this word. Right. So in this film it felt like a lot of the scenes had certain words put into it not because they necessarily needed to be there. It felt like borderline did you want to really use the word and did you want to get away with it or did you just want to shock us by using the word and have us be like um it's dangerous and I know it's 1974 so we have learned a lot and we say that all the time on this podcast but it's I was watching this and I was thinking I think certain people watch things like this and think they can get away with it too if they use it in a similar humor context yeah and that's just not true
1: yeah I was conflicted with this too where I was like are they doing it because I would describe this movie as satirical yeah, like really dark comedy that is being used to make fun of or bring light to the problems within society yeah so part of me is like in them using these words and so shockingly within the first 10 minutes of the movie I was like if, thi- if this is it like what? I don't know what to do like yeah. I, I don't know what I expected but it was, it was very shocking and very off putting but was that the purpose of it to be like i guess there there were many westerns being released probably at this time that took in this romantic view of the wild west and cowboys and you know good versus evil and all these things and it's like no no the white dudes were the evil at this time and like were they using it in a way to like display the problems with wild west movies and like make fun of the fact that no one was acknowledging all these problems that existed within the wild west yeah i agree with you as well where it was like it was This weird line because then it kind of became like even more over the top the more that they used the words.
0: I felt like the opening scene was really smart in a certain way. Like, yes, it did have all of that shock value language, but I think what you're saying is very correct, or like, I agree with you. The Western depictions that happened at this time were just so incorrect of what an actual Western was. Like, historically, a lot of cowboys were black men, and they just erased that and just made all the heroes white. So right off the bat, we did get this, you know, the white man, is dumb and doesn't have the language and when he asks you know the black folks to sing they have this beautiful you know melody song and they're like oh uh, I want to hear you say something stupid like this like yeah right off the bat you kind of understood the juxtaposition where the person who is more intelligent was the person who was in a lesser situation and the person who was in a higher situation was the idiot and you
1: immediately knew whose side you were on
0: exactly exactly and so I thought that. Was was smart, but I just feel like... It could have been refined. Yeah. And I think a lot of things about this film could have been refined. I think maybe at the time, nothing like this had come out. I think many, many, many pictures have come out that are trying to do something like this again. But this did seem, this entire picture did seem like the perspective of a white man's idea of doing this film. To me.
1: Uh, Yeah. And doing the right thing. And like setting records straight.
0: Yes. Because even Even if we talk about the women in this film, I didn't get it. As a woman, like, listen, drag is a mockery of women. That is where it came from. And it has evolved into an art form and a performance that I appreciate. But these women in this film just felt like the secretary was a sex object. Okay. Mm -hmm. But what was that? that, Sorry, go ahead.
1: And I was going to say, I think she was there as a way to, like, again, portray how terrible the governor was. Yes. It was that satire of, like, how terrible terribly politicians were viewed at that time and like in the 70s when it came out and also back in the day of mm-hmm. like corruption and those kinds of things so that I agree with you that when I was like okay I, I get it
0: mm-hmm. I understood the purpose of her I'm not offended by it I didn't think it was over the top or anything because that is very often how like a man like that would probably look at his secretary so that all that made a lot of sense but the burlesque
1: dancer what yeah, I don't get I, it. why I did not understand her purpose at all Like, actually, when she came into the movie, I kind of checked out.
0: Me too. Her whole song. So here's the thing. She was German, but her accent was of a rabbit?
1: Who knows? With a lisp?
0: Yeah it was so confusing and then her song was about how she was tired and how she was over this whole thing which that I understood in the sense of being a sex symbol that you're tired of of the attention so I understood the idea of the song that she sang however if it's a male from what I understand from a male's perspective of a burlesque dancer she would sing this song and be overtly sexual so she would be saying that she's tired and he would be seeing this, you know, Betty Boob. Right. Character, so her was just like flopping around and being like, Bang. "I was like, what is I didn't going on
1: at all?" And also, I thought it was such a letdown because there were a lot of original songs written for this movie. Yeah, it was really funny because we've just posted. If you're listening, we're very today, we're
0: tons of weeks in advance. Yeah, tons
1: of. So as of today, we just posted "Singing in the Rain." Yeah, which was a musical, and it was so funny when this movie started. I was like, "Oh, this is also kind of a musical." Like, original songs that fit in the plot people were singing at one point in the town I loved that song I loved that whole sequence Mm Mm-hmm her song was garbage. Terrible. Like, it wasn't catchy, it wasn't clever. They phoned that one in, and it was so upsetting, because I was like, you've already shown me that you're capable of doing really funny, comedic song work, Mm -hmm. and you just didn't bother here. Although I did write a note that snippets of that song would make a great TikTok sound. (laughs)
0: Yes. (laughs) (laughs) That's the thing that I felt about this whole film, actually. There was a lot of really good moments, and a lot of really good messages, and then there was immediately paired with just just missing the mark.
1: Waste of time.
0: Yeah. I don't know. I did enjoy it. I was watching it and I was like many of these films. I talk about Sean a lot. Sorry. Many of these films Sean would not like because he is not necessarily someone who wants to watch critically acclaimed films. But I was watching this and I was like I would love to watch this with him just to get just a male perspective. Like I wish we did have a, a male guest here today just to see the other side of this because from a female perspective I just saw this as like Like, I don't really get what you're trying to do here all the time. And maybe if I had a different brain, I would. But anyway. Yeah. It was just it also just seemed like the space I couldn't get a grasp of the space but then
1: which made sense later I'm with you where I'm like there were moments I did enjoy I think what was weird to me is that like I do enjoy one of my favorite movies is Robin Hood Men in Tights
0: mm-hmm.
1: and that's a Mel Brooks mm-hmm. and with original numbers and like it had the similar feel with like the camaraderie between like the hero and the sidekick all of those elements that I love mm-hmm. but then this one just didn't it's like it needed an edit like no one was reining anybody in.
0: I think it didn't need an edit, I think it needed a female writer, right. On it. And I don't always think that way, but I think in this that one That was the part
1: that stood out as being the most
0: bizarre. Out of yeah. yeah. Cause a lot of the male characters did seem really flushed out and I really understood where they were coming from. I didn't necessarily agree with all the outlandish language, but I think if a female writer was on it. But that being said, I think today, if there was a female writer on it, then she could speak up. I don't know if she could speak up in the 70s. Mm-hmm. A female writer would have done a lot for this film a and lot. certainly
1: made more sense of the female characters
0: yeah also like there were very different performances in this film yeah there were some performances that were like very opposite but i thought equally amazing
1: mm-hmm.
0: like gene wilder
1: yes i know
0: what the heck
1: I have a note that says Gene Wilder versus everyone else in this movie in terms of he just like grounded his performance. The scene between them when they're first talking in the police station or the Mm -hmm. sheriff's office was in a totally different space. It was super honest. Yeah. And it was really subtle. And Mm -hmm. it was just like, I I just can imagine that Mel Brooks kind of just let Gene Wilder go and do his thing. I think so. Yeah. It was really cool because like I, ugh. I love Gene Wilder.
0: It's interesting to have someone like Gene Wilder be the straight man in this film.
1: Mhm.
0: Cuz he's such a character actor. Yes. So for him to be straight is really cool. That one scene that you're talking about was the only scene everything felt extremely chaotic the entire time. Yeah. Like I felt like I had to almost feel like I was like pulling characters in to be like, "Okay, I need to understand." Okay, okay, okay. But in that one scene, I felt like the stillness of the heat of the air. Like he painted that whole space so clearly. Like I felt the stiffness of the chair he was sitting in. It was so good. He was mm-hmm. f- he was fabulous. Like he was beyond amazing. But that being said, I also really did appreciate Headley, Headley Lamar. So Harvey oh. Corman. Yep. He plays the like governor's I don't know what would you call that like a governor's aide or governor's like he was council? I, think,
1: I think he was the investor I think he was the railroad guy like, yes. he was the one who wanted to put the railroad through, and so he was trying to bribe or get in the ear of the governor. Like, yes. I don't think he was a politician.
0: No. But his character, I don't know if his character was written that way or if he kind of just built his character because there was that moment where he starts to, like, hump the statue. hmm I'm interested to see if that's actually in the script. I think that someone of that caliber can really sink into a... Uh, character and just have physicality just naturally come. And when Mm -hmm. you have a director that's just allowing actors to be, then those moments can kind of happen. I thought he was... I laughed at the end of the film. He says something like, "Uh, you're going to be risking your lives and I'm going to be risking an Academy Award nomination for supporting actor. And I thought that was so, so funny. Yeah. I thought he was really, really good. I thought he made a lot of sense. He seems like the type of guy who would, in modern day, like, call sex phone hotlines and like yeah you know do a little bit too much of the nose powder in the middle (laughs) of the night and like run on a treadmill for (laughs) for 12 hours because of it and you know like I I totally could see who he was and I thought he was a highlight of the film as well definitely
1: I think Mel Brooks does villains really well
0: Yes. In terms of,
1: like, making the bad guy seem very confident but also really pathetic completely at the same time. And I think it was probably a marriage of, like, what was in the script and then what he brought to it. I also really enjoyed Cleavon Little's performance as well. Like, I thought to be thrust into a position where, like... You're the lead of this movie that was probably like very controversial and walking in and bringing like this ease, mm-hmm. that smart guy. He was like super witty, very clever. It was all his solutions, even the way that he poked fun at the people who were like being mean to him. I just thought like there was such an ease of character mm-hmm. where he was just so likable. Like I wanted yeah. him to succeed. And he I was also so I'm,
0: handsome.
1: I know. Like, where? why wasn't he the lead of everything at this time?
0: Yeah, I know. That made sense to me when she was like, I'm going to eat him up and spit him out. Or in her weird, weird rabid accent. Yes. I'm going to eat him up I was like what is happening and then she's like I'm in love with you don't go anywhere and I was like I get it that would make 100% sense for sure for sure he's that type of guy that you think you can just destroy and then he's like I don't need you and I'm like no
1: take me yes I also thought the chemistry between him and Gene Wilder was perfect I know such good friends I really enjoyed when they took over the KKK (laughs) I love that whole segment where they're like hey over here I like distracted them and took their suits I was like and he was like where are the white women and then they're like oh no (laughs) yeah Oh my gosh, that was so great. I really loved those bits and pieces. I did have an interesting thing where I'm like, I thought the use of to-camera work was really weird. Like so there were a lot when of they the were times, on the track? No, not even that. When the when the actors were would take a moment and look straight down the barrel of the camera and talk to the audience. Which is a tool that gets used quite a lot, and, like, especially rose in popularity with, like, sitcoms like The Office and Parks and Rec, where where they went straight to camera and had those, like, confessionals as a way to, like, bring the audience Mm -hmm. further into the movie. And when it first started, I was like, I don't like this. This is weird. It feels very out of place and very on the nose and, like, I don't know, just a little too over the top for me but then as the movie went on and they revealed that oh we've been on a soundstage this whole time it made a lot more sense where I was just like oh okay Mm -hmm. we're all very we're all supposed to be very in on this joke
0: yeah which I felt like it took a little too long to get there
1: yes But
0: I get what you're saying for sure. The first one was a little jarring. It felt very theater because a lot of plays will do that moment where they have a scene and then they'll pause and then they'll talk to the audience. "Well,
1: everyone else is Let them in on a
0: little secret. Yeah. I was like, how? Very play of you. But I didn't mind them because to be honest, like The Office and Parks and Rec are two of my favorite TV shows (laughs) of all time. So I enjoy a mockumentary. But I totally get that. There was this element of a joke That I did not know about Until pretty much the end
1: The very end There
0: there were little snippets But they weren't obvious enough For me to understand until the end
1: Yeah it's true I went back a lot Like I have a couple notes about I was like Talk about the cardboard sets like if we were critical at all of do the right thing or any other movies that we've watched where we've kind of said oh it looked like a set or it looked like a cardboard box i was like they threw someone through a window really early on yeah in the first town scene riot and they went through the window into just dark space and i was like this is terrible like did this movie not have a budget like what's happening Mm -hmm. and then when they pull back and reveal they've been on a hollywood set the whole time you're like "Oh." oh okay
0: and I think if I would have known a little bit more I don't know I don't even know if it was necessary but I think it would have eased me a little bit more if I don't know it's hard to say it's hard to know what I what it what I mean by this because it just felt very overwhelming
1: yeah and it's also it was a lot all at once Mm -hmm. there were a lot of different elements and like we've talked about There are lots of other movies where we sit here and we have discussions about, oh, this would have been better if they cut blah, blah, blah. Or this could have been made better for this, like, X, Y, Z. I don't know how I would have made this better. Like we've talked about, definitely stronger female characters and, like, more of an understanding. But I don't think just that would have changed everything. No. Like, it still was jumbled and it was still confusing. And, like, I don't know what my notes to them would have been if someone came to me with this movie and was like, what do you think it needs?
0: So, because this is what this feels like. This just feels like something like eight and a half where it's just like this man Mel Brooks has like a fever dream and then decides to turn it into a film which I love watching those types of things like I was watching this thinking this seems like something I would make like this (laughs) scene like this crazy kind of artistic out there you may not understand it feels like right up my alley but I don't think that it's something that anyone could have the answer of what it needs except for Mel Brooks because it's so much of his vision yes
1: yes could you imagine being given that much free reign to make so much money, such a huge budget yeah. to make whatever the heck that looked like on the page? And then think about how many female filmmakers, how many BIPOC filmmakers, how many indigenous filmmakers struggle to find budgets for, like, heartfelt scripts. Yeah, And something like this that feels like it got made on a whim. I mean... That's wild.
0: I know. It is wild. And and sorry, you just rang something into my brain really quick. The indigenous community in this film were Yiddish Jews. Well,
1: it was Mel Brooks in blackface.
0: Yeah, but this is <laughs> what I don't understand. That I didn't get.
1: Me neither. I was like, like, you've taken so much care to point out the atrocities and the terrible things and the stereotypes that are placed on. I think I believe it was Chinese. Because I think famously they used a lot of the Chinese population to build the railroad in very like unfair ways. So I think that's what they were depicting here. And then the black population like assessing their problems and their prejudices and then you didn't bother to do it for the indigenous people.
0: And why are they Jewish? This is the thing that I don't understand. Like I
1: think Mel Brooks is Jewish and he likes putting that stuff in his movies.
0: That's fine. But it's a weird place to put it. I, I'm trying to understand the meaning behind Making that character Jewish? Like, are you saying, like, oh, Jews have had their land stolen? Like, it's like, what Wait, are you are doing you here?
1: Are you your struggles? Yeah,
0: because if you are, it seemed like it missed the mark, especially from someone who was raised in the Jewish community. It d- I didn't get it. I don't understand Neither what you're trying to say with it.
1: It fell very flat to me, where I was like, how can you possibly put the thought and the justice into everyone, but not this one?
0: I also didn't really understand Mongo. What was that?
1: I have no idea.
0: Was he supposed to be a giant? First of all, are you saying that he's disabled and just very strong? Are you trying to reference like a mice and men situation?
1: I think probably.
0: And it's so, like, there was no understanding of the disability, potentially. Therefore, it just came off as, like, what is happening? Like, who yeah. is that? And also, that was just, a to me, it was just, I was like, it's just offensive. That's just an offensive thing to do. Yeah. You could just, you can have a big, strong man with, like, a lesser intelligence, but he had, like, weird characteristics that didn't he make was any a sense. Dog at
1: one point, but then that never came back into play ever again. That exactly. A, yeah.
0: Like, that's what I mean by it miss the mark because I felt like okay if you want to have this like extremely strong giant man like if we're talking about for example Game of Thrones the mountain Mm -hmm. is a a massive and is very strong and intelligent but also like submissive to his his master they did it in an intelligent way where it wasn't like he was stupid but he was very loyal and very
1: one track mind
0: yeah one track mind type of individual and he was also like bloodthirsty and all that kind of stuff this just felt like I understand Understand where you're trying to go, but it just feels like it, no pun it intended, and went off there. the rails. Like, yes. just felt like everything was going, and then it just went whoop, and it was going, and then it went whoop, went into the quicksand.
1: <laughs> yes. Yeah it certainly did. That whole that segment was great. That reminded me um shout out to another podcast which I'm sure everyone has heard of but My Favorite Murder I think at one point they talked about or maybe Karen tweeted it I don't know something about when I was a kid I was led to believe that quicksand was going to be a much bigger thing to worry about. Yep. Yep. (laughs) Than it turned out to be and movies like this are the reason.
0: (laughs) Yes I was watching it, thinking man I was terrified of quicksand as a kid. Quicksand yep. was gonna be everywhere, and I was gonna have to dodge it left, right, and center.
1: Yeah, and I also think too, knowing what we know now about quicksand, like it would never appear in the Wild West.
0: How? Like That's it, what I was like. How like did I it? Inv- Doesn't it happen in it like has, forests and jungles? Yeah,
1: yeah, it needs moisture. Yeah, which it was really funny that you could tell it was just like a puddle of water. Which shout out to those actors. Gosh, it was just gross, muddy puddle water. And at one point, the one guy got it in his mouth. I know. <laughs> to like make it seem as if he was being sucked under when clearly they were just like floating on the
0: yeah. top. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I also thought if you hit someone in the head with a shovel, that person's dead. That's not an injury. That's just like your no, head but, gets cracked open. But
1: that's a trope of comedy in general.
0: I know, but that's when I started what? thinking like, because that's how confused I was. I was like, right. are we <laughs> depicting real life? There were so many questions at all times Yeah. that that was like, I was like, a shovel would kill you, so we're not at the point where things get because guns were also like beep, 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 and like shooting say, guns out of other people's hands and I was like okay so no one actually gets killed or hurt in this film.
1: No. I actually wrote a note that says this reminded me a lot in a lot of moments of Seven Samurai. <laughs> this idea of this town that is trying to put together yeah. protection for themselves and where their weapons don't actually cause any damage or do anything.
0: That might be like a very western theme in general. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: But there were other effects that I really liked. Like, I really enjoyed that Gene Wilder's character was fast without ever moving.
0: Yeah. I like that, too.
1: (laughs) I thought that was so clever. Where it was like, they just...
0: Licked his fingertips. Yeah.
1: Everyone's guns just fell out of their hands, and then it would, like, cut back to Gene Wilder, who's just standing there with his arms crossed. it. I was like, obviously, he didn't do anything. Even, like, the chess piece. The cut where it was like, he clearly had the chess piece in his hands, and then it cut to where he didn't. And then he opened them up, and it was, like, in Gene Wilder's pocket.
0: Yeah. (laughs) It was awesome.
1: That was great.
0: It was awesome. I don't know. I feel very confused by this film in general. As do
1: I. Because again, lots of things made me laugh, but also lots of things made me cringe. Yes. I was like, this is a dad joke. This, this is, is a terrible joke. hmm Why is it in here? I'm embarrassed for them. Like, well. I, I, at one point I wrote, this is not my kind of comedy. I think it was towards the back half. Mm. The, fir- the front half, like, I think I found things in it that, like, I really enjoyed. And then once we got into, like, the weird meta part, I was just like... What's where are they possibly going with this?
0: Uh, I don't know. I've, I don't know. It's hard to say. It's hard to say.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Maybe it will become more clear once we get into the musties. Maybe. Once we start breaking it down.
0: Yeah, but let's go into two truths and a lie.
1: Okay, let's do it.
0: Okay, so this is the first film ever that there is an audible fart no really it's two truths and a lie oh so it might God. be a lie <laughs>
1: okay okay there is an
0: actress or there was an actress r.i.p named hedley lamar or head heat lamar which is like mm. what everyone was calling um hedley mm. and she actually sued mel brooks for using her name in the film and they settled out of court Oh. She was suing them and saying that they had to cut the character from the film. Ah. hmm
1: Okay. That, okay.
0: Most of the railroad workers were fellow comedians of Clevon Little. So he used to do comedy circuits throughout the United States, and they would be like a gang of African-American men who would do a circuit. And most of those railroad workers were his buddies from that circuit.
1: Nice. Okay. I... I think the last one is true. They had just such a good chemistry. They had, like, such a good camaraderie. And I also think a criticism of this time is that, like, not enough. I don't know. There's this weird mindset that even when I was young coming up in the industry, I was aware of where there's this idea where it was like, well, the reason that we don't cast a lot of diversity is because there's not a lot of diverse people acting. Yeah. And I was like, what a stupid thought. And so I can imagine a situation where they were going, okay, we've written in this, like, like, different minorities, where are we going to find them? And being like, can you help me out? You know? Which, like, is very sad to say, and I don't at all approve of it, but it does make that feel true to me. And then between the two, I just can't... The first audible fart ever? 1972. Ah, I don't know. That seems so late, considering that the toilet, or the turlet, although it was, like, the 60s, right, with Psycho? The first toilet. So, ah. I just also think fart jokes are set Like, that was a part where I was, like, just fully eye-rolling. A well-placed fart can certainly make me laugh, but the whole, like, over-the-top... Yeah.
0: The bum 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 Yeah, I know.
1: <laughs> I, I was just like, no. But it is traditionally very funny. And then the second one, I can see someone wanting to sue if their name is being synonymously used with, like, this kind of character. Yeah. So that could also be very true. I think the audible fart sounds too far-fetched for me. Which the audible
0: fart is true.
1: Ugh. <sighs> No. Which the
0: only thing that I found funny about that scene was when, like, the guy who was the lead of all of them, he was like, can I have more beans? And then he's, like, whacking his hat, and he's like, I think you've had enough. Yes. <laughs> I thought that was funny, but yeah. I didn't find the farts funny. But, yes, it's the first fart.
1: Oh, my gosh. Wild.
0: I made up the comedian thing. <gasps> oh, no. I did. I fully made it <sighs> Oh no! I know. Sorry.
1: No, that's okay. They casted all that's those okay. people, well, which good is great. For them. Yes. Mm-hmm. Good for them. That's a celebration.
0: Yes, and the actress is real. Did
1: sue them. Yeah,
0: but it did settle out of court, and
1: it all went swimmingly. <laughs> so yeah. Everyone was happy at the yes. end of the day.
0: So, you
1: lose! I do lose. I'm on a losing streak right now. Are you? Well, actually, I don't know, because depending on how we air them.
0: It's hard to say.
1: It's hard to say, because we've pre-recorded so many. Yeah.
0: Shall we go into those misty musty? Yes,
1: let's, let's. Okay. So, yeah, let's see if anything comes becomes more clear mm-hmm. through this process. We shall see. All right, so this is the musties where we give the movies rankings on different categories, and we rate from one to ten mushrooms, because what's mustier than that? And the three categories are on the page, on the screen, and on the brain. Allison, start us off with how you felt about this movie on the on the page.
0: All right, all right, all right, all right. Page plot, yes. Um, I feel good about the plot. The plot in itself, you know, the town, the railroad, needing to save the town, this financial mogul is deciding that he's gonna get a person of color to be the sheriff of the town so that everyone leaves the town because they're so upset. It's it's a good plot. I liked, I thought the plot was actually quite good. So, so yeah. So I think the plot is a 10 for me to be honest because I right. did like the plot. Character breakdown is gonna be less because again like we talked about the women like I'm I was just, I was so confused by the burlesque dancer. I didn't understand her purpose whatsoever. I felt like a lot of The other characters, I understood what their reasoning of being there was, even to the point of like the other cowboys. I I got it, but I felt like I got a really good idea of Jim and who he was. I didn't get the biggest character breakdown, I felt like, for Bart.
1: Who was the lead, which is weird.
0: Yeah. Like Bart, we got to see like his parents story and him with the indigenous people meeting up with him but like we didn't get really much else Mm -hmm. and I felt like with Jim he was this kind of amazing shooter and then he lost his ability and now he's kind of been the town drunk this entire time like I felt like I got more of a full picture from that point I felt like there was a lot of missing gaps maybe because of time and all the chaos that was happening but I'm gonna give character breakdown an eight Now dialogue is where I'm going to really bring this mark down quite a bit because I feel like I understand it's 1972. I understand shock value being a funny thing for a lot of comedians. I don't personally believe necessarily in shocking people to get their attention. I think that your story should definitely be strong enough. And I think this story could have definitely been strong enough. I don't think it necessarily needed all of that offensive verbiage. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to give dialogue a 2.
1: Alright. I feel differently about the plot because I didn't feel it was was very well planned out mm. or thought out mm-hmm. like I said it felt like a lot of different ideas kind of just like tossed together and oh we'll see if this works and I think the plots that I prefer are I don't know just more put together and more purposeful mm-hmm. I liked snippets I liked the ideas but then coming out of the meta and then being in the movie theater and and yeah the burlesque thing felt like completely out of place to me so for me I'm gonna give the plot a six mm-hmm. it it, did, it didn't do it for me as much. Character breakdown I agree with you. Why didn't we know even more about the lead? We saw his parents briefly but like what happened to his parents? How yeah. did he end up working on the railroad? And then also the villains. They were very much caricatures which I think was the point of the satire but it was like why are you evil? Why That's do true. you have the money? Why? Like, I think we could have used a lot more of that mm-hmm. as well so I think for me it's gonna get oh Gene Wilder was so strong though. I'm gonna give it a 7. And then for dialogue I agree with you. There were lots of things that were just not my taste and just didn't land some did so I do want to give credit to those moments like we talked about like the kkk moments Mm -hmm. and I also really loved the old woman coming to apologize for her offensive language with a pie but then also being like don't tell anyone yeah apologize to you like I thought there were really clever clever moments yeah And I wanted more of them because, again, it's that thing that teachers used to say to me in school, which would drive me crazy, where they were like, you've shown me you're capable of this. So now anything less is going to be disappointing. I know you can do better. And so that's how I felt. I was like, I feel like you could have done better. So I'm going to give it a four. So for this category, your final score is a 6.67 and mine is a 5.67.
0: On the screen. So production value. At the end, you understood the production value. That's right. So it was all very purposeful and unlike you I actually enjoy meta kind of films like this where like oh now we're in the movie theater and now we're on the soundstage and now we're crashing through everything and oh we're in the lunchroom and there's actually a group of touring and the pies and the whole thing like I I actually really enjoyed the end of this film quite a bit I thought the production value was really good I and I actually really did enjoy the directing as well and I think they were kind of in the same they were kind of in the same branch like I think on the screen was the best of this film. The brain and the page is where it really lacked. Yeah. So production value, I'm going to give it an 8. Acting... Honestly, the burlesque dancer brings it down for me quite a bit because I was so confused by her performance. I was so confused by that accent.
1: I really want to know what went on behind the scenes there. Like whose choice it was. Like did she come to the table with this?
0: And why? Like for what? Like I don't, I did not. uh, It was, and it's so confusing. Maybe I'll look up
1: what else she's been in Mm. and take a little look-see to see what was up. Yeah. Because yeah, why establish her as German if she's not? Be
0: able to do that German accent.
1: Like that part wasn't didn't matter
0: no I like, guess she it mattered could have been at so the much end
1: smarter she could have been so much smarter to be the woman who's like you're sending me in on this mission yeah you know I yeah
0: it would have been really strong if they like woke up the next day and they were like discussing like French poetry or something
1: and why didn't she join the team like Jim know. joined the team after befriending him Mongo joined the team after I don't know befriending him but she became useless yeah After befriending him? She's such, she's
0: a downfall. She's a downfall. But Jim, Jim was awesome. Hadley was awesome. There were, even like, Mel Brooks was fantastic. So Mm -hmm. there were some great casting and acting in it, but I'm gonna give it... A set a seven. Directing, I feel like he really did give a lot of room to the actors to kind of do their own thing. I liked when they were crashing through the walls. I liked the little moments of like when Hadley was it coming out of the male bathroom and then he like sneaks back in. I thought those were all really intelligent and very well shot. I just enjoyed all of those moments a lot. And I think that was a lot of Mel Brooks in general. Yeah. So for directing, I'm gonna give it a uh, eight. Nine. Nine. Gonna give it a nine. nine. My Fantastic. final answer.
1: Fantastic. For production value, I think it was all in fitting with the tone. Like nothing felt out of place. Like it was a satire. It was a play on stuff. Like we said, the cardboard sets made sense when you found out they were actually cardboard sets. Mm-hmm. And I think production value also to just think about like all the costumes in this movie, mm-hmm. all of the effort, all of the wrangling of background performers, All they double built a set. Mm-hmm. Like they or maybe they didn't build it or they used it on the lot, but whatever the case, there was so much
0: mm-hmm.
1: effort that went into this into this production value. I think it like fell short in some other places. Mm-hmm. Like in the edit or, or like little bits and pieces. I don't really know. I can't put my finger on it. So I'm going to give it an 8 as well. For casting and acting, I, I think everybody was really well cast. I liked the different groups of people. I liked the villains. Like this, this ragtag group of villains that included arguably all of the world's villains at once. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there was no performance that stood out as being strange with the exception of the the burlesque performer. And it makes me so sad because like I want to be a champion for the female characters. But this was not it. So I'm going to give it a 7 as well. For directing, I also agree with you. It may not have been the movie for me. Mm -hmm. And I say that knowing I love other Mel Brooks movies. Mm -hmm. So I think he comes to a place where, like, he gets more confident or, like, reins himself in in places. But at the end of the day, I think Mel Brooks made the movie Mel Brooks wanted to make. Yeah, absolutely. So in that sense, I don't think you can really fault the directing. I think I would have had some problems with that female character if I'd been cast on that role and being like, like, really you can give all of them something else so that brings it down a little bit for me so I'm going to give directing a 7 as well okay. so for that category uh, your score is an 8 and mine is a 7.33
0: on the brain suspended reality it's hard to say it was suspended because I was so lost a lot of the time and like what's happening I did have to pay attention quite a bit and I was kind of trying to figure it out as it goes but there was a tremendous amount of questions there was so much chaos all the time which was the point I believe so for suspending reality I'm gonna give it a six. Emotional connection. I was emotionally connected to the leads for sure. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: I was even emotionally connected to Hadley as well a little bit. So I would say emotional connection was pretty high but I think that the lack of character breakdown does kind of pull me back a bit. So I'm gonna give it a seven. Recommend. Ah, like yes and no. That's how I feel. Like this is a yin and yeah. yang film for me. Because like yes, I would definitely recommend this to someone who is okay with, you know, the language potentially. Or like can like shelve that for a moment and kind of take it for what it is. I enjoy kind of, like I said before these like, m- like meta kind of films. Like I really enjoyed 8.5. I thought it was really artful. I think this had similar elements to it as well. So I would recommend it to people who would also appreciate 8.5 half but then there's people like my mom I would definitely never recommend this to my mom yeah I would never recommend this to like my grandmother cousins like there's a huge group of people today that I would not recommend this to that this would really fall flat and be really overwhelming and uncomfortable so I'm gonna give recommendation of five message messages were loud as much as it was chaos the messages were very very loud and that's because all the characters were such mockeries of what they're supposed to be so, we really did get each message on how Mel Brooks specifically felt about each person he did write in that screenplay. So, message is a 10. I understood how he felt about all of it.
1: Yeah, I think so too. For me, a suspending reality, I was really in it until the burlesque performer showed up. And I just kind of checked out at that point. Like my brain just like didn't want to address the fact that it was so weak. And then I kind of came back in for moments like when they were trying to distract everyone and built the town. And then when we got to the film set, I was kind of out again. Like it was very much a roller coaster ride for me in terms of being in the movie. So I think I'm gonna give a six as well. Emotional connection. I really liked the chemistry between the leads, but it wasn't very high stakes. It was kind of like singing in the rain that way, where it was like, yeah, it, because it was so outrageous, it never felt like anyone was in any true danger. Yes, at any given time, so it was easy to kind of just like float around and stay on the surface. So, like, did it emotionally connect as much as say, like last week, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind? No, not at all. Like, not even close. So, it's a tough rating for me. I think. I'm gonna give it a six as well. And recommend. I'm on the same page. I would... I would recommend it to men who, like, wanted something... I I really don't know. I'm really conflicted because I, again, there were parts I enjoyed. I wouldn't tell someone not to watch it. Like if they came to me and were like, hey, I'm thinking about watching Blazing Saddles. Like, oh yeah, that was like, it was fun. But would I go out of my way to like emphatically encourage people to see it? No. So I'm going to give it a five. And as for the message, I do think that's where satire is really effective. Being able to use comedy to point out the problems that exist within society is probably my favorite kind of comedy my favorite kind of social commentary because I think it's effective when you have to look at it that way and you have to look at people as being human it's critical without telling you that you're being criticized. I just think it's really smart. So I'm not going to give it a full 10 because I think there was a lack of that kind of messaging within the indigenous portion. I was not a fan of the blackface and the displacing a different culture on another culture. I didn't like that part of of the movie and of the message. So I think I'm going to give this one an 8.
0: I'm going to change my score because I forgot about that for a second. So I'm going to give it a (laughs) 9 for message. Okay.
1: All right, and we can do that because because that we're message charged. was not
0: clear for me. No. Also, the burlesque thing wasn't clear for me. So yeah, I'm gonna yeah. give it a nine.
1: Yeah. Okay. So final scores for that category, Allison, you have given it six point seven five mushrooms, and I have given it six point two five mushrooms. Which means our individual scores for Blazing Saddles are yours is a seven point one four, and mine is a six point seven nine, giving it an average of six point nine seven.
0: That sounds about right. Yep. That sounds yep. about right.
1: Yeah, where it was like it wasn't awful. It wasn't a no. fail.
0: Well, it was a little bit like a yin and yang. Like half yep. of it I didn't like and half of it I did. And so that's a little bit over, you know, over the half.
1: Yep. So okay. does it pass
0: the Bechtel test? No. It does not. However, it does pass the DuVernay test.
1: Oh, mm-hmm. that's exciting.
0: Well, the lead is a person of color, so... That's right. And he has multiple conversations with his friend, who I don't know the character's name at the moment, but they have multiple conversations about, you know, coming to help him with the town and uh, becoming a...
1: Yeah, they're not talking about a, a white lead because no, there wasn't there, one.
0: No, exactly. So that's pretty exciting.
1: Yay!
0: Yeah. So, are you ready for your day player of the day? I sure am. Okay. So, my day player of the day is Robin Hilton. And she plays Miss Steen. And that is the governor's secretary. <laughs> Do I think it was the best day player performance? No. But going into that woman's shoes, having to wear that costume, having to be subjected like that, feels like a task in itself itself especially for a day player. So I think that she deserves the day player of the day. I thought she did the character justice, and uh, she did a pretty good job, and that must have been a little bit uncomfortable for her, for sure.
1: Heck yes. Yeah, I completely agree with you. My day player of the day goes out to David Sharp, and he was uncredited on IMDb, so I could be incorrect about who it is, but I'm gonna hopefully think that either him or his family members applied for this credit. He played suit suit man. Man in suit. And he was the guy who in the first raid of the town, the first attack, was dragged like he got caught in a lasso that was attached to a horse and he got dragged away and said that's a waste of a perfectly good suit like (laughs) this suit is done now like as he's being dragged away and i was just like that line stuck with me or i was like are you really worried about your suit right now and i also think it involved a stunt so i i'm always happy to um shout out the underappreciated stunt team Mm -hmm. in anything that's done so that's that's my day player of the day
0: Ooh, very nice (laughs)
1: that's very exciting very exciting okay we've come to the end we've come to the wrap-up that's it that's all she wrote So next movie for anyone who wants to watch with us and I would highly encourage you do so because at least to me it's more fun to listen to a podcast where I kind of know what everyone's talking about but also maybe that's not your thing. Either way, next movie is Mulholland Drive. It was released in 2001. This one is also rated R and the plot line of this one is after a car wreck on the winding Mulholland Drive renders a woman amnesiac she and a perky Hollywood hopeful search for clues and answers across Los Angeles in a twisting venture beyond dreams and reality. Oh, wow! I don't know what we're getting into at all. Me neither. I've I know nothing about this one. Me neither.
0: All right. Well. Kendra, if someone was so inclined to want <laughs> to follow us on Instagram, where would they go?
1: I guess you could wander over to Instagram and look up at Unseen Must sees and you would probably find us there. Huh. And the Twitter? On the Twitter, it would be the same, at Unseen Must sees.
0: And if you want to send us a little ditty, maybe some movie recommendations, where would you
1: go? Or corrections, anything we got (laughs) wrong. Yes. Anything um, that did not land or didn't make sense when we use the wrong words. Although we do that a lot, so we'll probably ignore those comments. But if you wanted to do that, you could do that at unseenmustsees at gmail.com. Fantastic.
0: Well, that's it for us today at Unseen Must Sees. So eat your lunch, do your homework, and come straight home.
1: And please go watch movies. You better watch your movies or I'm going to get you. (laughs) Yeah.
0: (sighs) Okay. Love you guys. Bye. Bye.